there, Jilted Indian Podcast listeners. It's Pooja, Miranda, and Anju. And we're here with another episode of Brown Goodness for Your Ear Holes. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Miranda? Um, you know, it's been a while since we started this podcast. I feel like I'm a different person. Do you feel like you're a different person, Anju? Yes. <laughs> and Pooja, what about you? Well, I am like a butterfly and change with every season. So I, but no, I know what you're, I know what we're going to talk about. But yes, I do feel like I am a different person from when we started. Okay. Because, you know, that's so funny that you say butterfly, because I heard that when a caterpillar builds its cocoon, it breaks itself down into like a paste yes. first for a while before it becomes this beautiful thing. I feel like I'm caterpillar paste right now. Oh, wow. I, yeah, that's, that's accurate. Yes. Yes. Existential crisis equals caterpillar paste. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see that. So we are caterpillar paste. Well, okay. So we bonded, right? We bonded over our being collectively shitty Indians. And we asked each other at that first episode, what makes you a shitty Indian? And we've asked our guests. And now it's kind of time for like a litmus test. And I, and this was brought about uh, recently, just kind of like, I don't know what it is. You know, it's 2019. We're a year away from either a hopeful or hopeless election. Yeah. And, you know, I, th I think it's time to do an identity check because uh, I've found a lot of belonging with you two. Just listeners, we talk every single day. We text every single day. On multiple platforms. On multiple pl <laughs> platforms we because... We even have a Slack channel we don't check anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore i'm not even sure we ever used it I, there's stuff in there <laughs> i'm sorry i stand corrected Pooja sent us messages that we ignored on it yeah point. i think andrew's right i think we just basically ignored it <laughs> but we appreciate you and you're going for it i think that's wonderful slack is a great app commercial over but i, I think <laughs> hashtag ad hashtag ad okay so identity check um, I recently went to my cousin's wedding. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Everyone was dressed beautifully, um, decorated beautifully. They had a lovely ceremony. Uh, and yet all the while, I felt, you know, uh, at least what was buried down in my mind, I felt those things coming to the surface and what I'm talking about is you know shame um our old friend our friend shame the fourth shitty Indian <laughs> the shittiest of them all yeah. one might say um you know just reminders and this is not anybody necessarily uh bringing it out of the woodwork through uh word or deed per se it's just that I'm surrounded by family and when family's there I can't help but feel all of the ways in which I am a clear violation to everything they try to turn their daughters into being, right? Um, 
people were speaking Malayalam. I don't know Malayalam. And, you know, th- and they know I don't know Malayalam. And some of them are sweet and they speak English. And some of them, you know, that's their most comfortable language. So they speak that amongst each other. So the story I make up in my head is, oh, you don't want to include me in this conversation. Like, I can't help but come to that conclusion. Is that what they're thinking? I don't think so. But that's how I feel. It's how I felt all this time, all these years, with all of these family gatherings. When, some, when I don't understand what's being said, I can't help but think, discluded. Not one of these. Not one of these people. My body type. Violation number two. <laughs> my, my being single. Violation number three. My, you know, throw all of the violations together. Um, I actually asked my cousin if it was okay that I wore an American gown to the wedding. I wanted to be very comfortable, and I was. I was comfortable as hell. And I feel as though I looked fabulous. You did look fabulous. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> we did see the pictures. Yeah. Yes, I did send the pictures to the my fellow shitty Indians. Just... Uh, I felt great, you know, and and maybe for the first time, after all this work I've done, trying to figure out who I am as a person, uh, trying to kind of rumble, as Brene Brown says, rumble with those stories that made up all of these ideas of my not belonging or my not being lovable in my head, I I feel like I've finally come down the mountain from that, you know, I've, I've, I've come down the mountain or I've come back from the trial, to put it in, um, hero's journey terms but it still feels terrible it still feels terrible to enter a room even though I love Indian culture and clothing but to see people wearing it and uh, even if I was wearing it I'd feel like an imposter you know what I mean Mm. and to hear people speaking Malayalam and me not knowing what's going on or to you know have people talk about whether I'm married or not, which happened, of course, it was inevitable. But actually, for the first time, I will say this. I finally stood up for myself and just said, yeah, women do this now. (laughs) How did that go? It went well, because I'm talking to an uncle whose daughter is exactly like me. (laughs) So what are you going to say? Are you going to shit on your daughter right now? I don't think so. I'm like, well, you know, there are women who are happy being by themselves. This is what we do now. And like I said, I'm a violation. I'm a violation. And uh, while I think maybe that was the most authentic I had ever been around anyone in my family, I can't say it wasn't painful to be myself because I still feel uh, I'm, I'm not quite done being fully, fully resilient. It's like while I was trying so hard to be good enough, I was in this sort of adjacent world, <laughs> aware of what's going on, but not quite there in the whole connection of it all. Does that make sense? Like not present, just trying to live, trying to survive. So not necessarily an out-of-body experience, but like... Fitting in, trying to fit in. Yeah. Not being myself, but just trying so hard to fit in so that, you know, maybe parents can talk about me the way they talk about their kids or their other kids or whoever other whoever else's children that's what it usually is like yada yada's daughters um I I stopped fitting in 
And I think I was kind of unapologetically myself, but it doesn't stop that feeling of, ugh. Maybe it was because this was the first time I was authentic. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it just sucks the first time and it's easier the second time around. But um, there's no, there's n I could win the Nobel Peace Prize and still feel that shame. You know what I mean? Akin to, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but follow me through this metaphor. Okay. It's akin to racism. No matter what the fuck you do, they're always, you're always going to be penalized for not being white. Right. Right. So this is akin to racism, the way you're describing it to me. No matter what you do, as long as you stay single, <laughs> you're going to be penalized for it. And penalizing them to me, racists. And if we have any listeners, tune off and fuck yourself um, <laughs> who are racist. But to me, racists are stupid. Like you are lacking a certain kind of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you can't say that with people who penalize you for being your most authentic self because it doesn't fit their paradigm, right? Right. You can't say you're stupid. I mean, I can because they're not my family. But, um, <laughs> but <clears throat> I think in our caterpillar paceness, you know, it's like, okay, we broke down one leg three years ago when we started this podcast. Throughout then, we've been breaking down organs and shit like that, becoming like this pace and rebuilding ourselves or forming a better version. And when I say forming a better version, I mean like stepping into whatever identity it is you want to claim, right? Mm -hmm. And so that help, this podcast helps us do that, right? Because we talk out all these identity issues all the time, um, you know, but I, I don't know how to explain or how to make us feel better when we know that it's, a cultural mindset we don't ascribe to that we're allowing to make us feel shitty when it's coming from people who are supposed to love us. Right. Right. Because your family can judge me and I'll put my middle fingers up for them <laughs> and my family can judge you and you can do the same thing to me. But if my family does that to me, I would, I mean, I'd probably burn them, burn it all to the ground anyway. Cause I don't like to, I don't like, that's my anger style. You, you know, yeah. and, and I'm an angry person by nature, so I have to work to move past that. But I don't, um, yeah, I don't know how or what to say to that feeling of being amongst your people. Mm. Like, it's not just brown people, it's your people. Right. And being made to feel shitty in the pejorative and not shitty in the fabulous. Oh, and then, like, well, first, Anju? Yes. Your thoughts? <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, I don't really know what to say about this. My experience is different, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's not like I'm enlightened or anything. I think I just sort of made a peace with the fact that I am a shitty Indian and I don't, like, it is what it is. Not that I don't still try to, like, fit in like you're talking about when I'm around people who would have expectations, but at least I feel comfortable with the people closest to me, my family members, that they they've kind of realized that this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. I just got to work with it. <laughs> and I don't really feel judgment from them most of the time. So I'm that at least is easier. Like I went to India last month and, and it was a pretty good experience. I didn't feel all that shameful, you know, about it. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> no, that really I mean, is nice to hear. I mean, there were moments like there are always moments, obviously, but it was, 
it was nice to put that baggage away and just be able to enjoy being there because I don't get to go very often and getting to see family members I don't get to see that often and just like spend time with them and, and it's also easier because everybody has kids now and it's so much easier when you can focus on other people's kids um yeah <laughs> so maybe there's a certain element of using that as a shield I don't know <laughs> I don't know. I I wouldn't go into um maybe this is all full of shit. If you're feeling good in the moment, hold on to that because <laughs> it, here's the nutty thing is like we're talking about hurt from the past like long ago and it's so crazy that someone could hurt me when I was younger like in my teenage years or my early 20s. And that stick around, even though that person hasn't treated me that way all this time. It's that one defining moment where I felt like a true piece of shit, like my parents' parenting was being criticized. I was being criticized and my choices were criticized. And, you know, I get it. But uh, that moments like that where the shame really, really initiated and stuck under my skin and stayed there. Um, those moments, they've, they stopped happening for the other person. They kept happening for me forever until I decided to deal with it. And that's trauma. Um, so I, I feel like I've, I've continued to live this other person's hurt even at after long after that hurt was gone for that other person. Maybe that wasn't even an afterthought for that person. I think that's right. Because as somebody who um, <clears throat> trades in vengeance, I, <laughs> I, can, te- <laughs> I can tell you that, um, it, it, you know, that is something I've noticed too. Like I, I get angry and I'm plotting, you know, plans that will never come to fruition. But the dress I'll wear when I find out something bad happens to the person I don't like in the moment Um, you you know, I think about that person doesn't give a fuck about you right now. Like they've moved on with their damn life and you're sitting here expending energy behind their bullshit. Now that's a different emotion. That's anger. That's not trauma, right? That somebody, Mm. you know, said my ass was too juicy and they couldn't handle it, you know? So, or AKA called me fat. And so, um, I was going to say juicy sounded really positive. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, that's how I spin it. Oh, you can't handle this juice? Well, fuck you. But I think... (laughs) Okay, Lizzo's new album. If you haven't listened to it yet, what are you doing? Juice is the jam. Juice is the jam. But back to your, you know, back to the fat. Yeah, and I'm, I'm... trying to as you're talking i'm trying i'm one one and i I apologize if this comes off shady um i'm sitting here being very grateful because i've never experienced that from my mom's family who i'm very close to right Mm -hmm. like my dad's family we're not that close um and so i've spent a lot more time with my mom's family and, and they don't approach me with when are you getting married as opposed to my dad's family who will just they won't say anything but they'll you know parade around the fact that all their kids are married and have kids and my parents' kids aren't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I would argue that my parents' kids are smarter (laughs) for not, you know, (laughs) falling in line with the fascism of of the cult of marriage. But um, what was I talking about? I was talking about not feeling those those feelings of trauma and hurt. And I, I didn't realize how much I appreciated it until 
this last spring we had a sudden death in my in my family my uh, my mom who passed away and when all the family descended on you know to to grieve and mourn with us I and for people who are not Indian please understand that Indian people will ask about your dating life in any situation so it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's a dead house oh, right it does not matter they want to know but I feel like what I got back more of, you know, and it's because it was it's my mom's brother, her only brother. And so, you know, all my cousins and myself, we all had to step up and, and fill that void and do things that needed to, that adults would do in, the, in this situation. And the feedback that my sisters and I would keep getting from the older, the grandmothers, the nannies was like, that's how independent women do it. You know, like, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you don't need a man. Look at you go. Things like that. So I found that weird <laughs> to begin with. And then and then I found it empowering that it, it, and I'll also say this, and this is for a different episode. You know, when you talk about widowed Indian women and how empowered and free they finally are mm-hmm. and how they will support p- women like us yeah. who choose to stay single because they are finally single. They finally have freedom and they know how valuable that is. So mm-hmm. they'll be in your corner. Um, but sorry, I derailed the identity conversation um, to talk about that. So in, in, in that space, in terms of identity, there's a lot of, of knowledge that you have to know to plan and prepare for a Hindu funeral. And so, unfortunately for my family, we've had a lot of experience in the last five years with that. So I have, obviously, listeners, a spreadsheet. And um, and, and so, <laughs> <laughs> right? I have a spreadsheet and I have, I have all these timelines. And so I felt, at some point, I felt like... Um, uh, not necessarily a fraud, but it's like, oh, you know so much. I'm like, I have this written down because I cannot afford to not know it mm. in the moment, right? But I don't need to rely on the list as, as much anymore um, because, like I said, we've had experience. <laughs> and uh, and so I know the stuff now, but it's like, it's kind of exciting on the other end of this identity conversation to be seen as the person of the next generation who has the knowledge from yeah. the elders, Right. And it's not necessarily the same lane of what you're talking about, of being made to feel othered. It's being made to feel accepted, but it's for the specific cultural knowledge. Mm. It's not necessarily because Pooja that, you know, that that hot mess also knows this information. It's like, look at this information she knows. She's also a hot mess. You know, yeah. type of thing. <laughs> but like the emphasis has shifted to positive. Right, right. And so because, negative, and, so and that's I'll good. say this, unlike you two who are kind and loving and generous people, I am a bitch. And so I have yelled at family members in front of other family members if they've disrespected me, my mother, or my siblings. So they know, don't come at me with that shit. Talk about me behind my back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and hope I never find out because like I said, I trade in vengeance. So... Um, Oh, I'm the other way. I stew and I grudge and just uh, I'll ruin reputation behind the person. I am the person who will go behind the back, but not because I do it out of habit. It's more of a survival thing. Right. Um, But okay, so you're further along toward butterfly than I am. I am definitely soupy paste in the caterpillar cocoon. And it... I am on the verge of being 
what Anju was talking about and what you were talking. I feel like I'm on the verge of being that person, that resilient person, that hurt from when I was 20 or the hurt from all of my teenage years, the hurt of, you know, my Mm -hmm. body being wrong all the time, the hurt of me not. And I have to say my grasp of the culture was very much affected by my not learning the language. Um, and just kind of my feeling of, oh, I don't need you guys. I have musicians. And so I clung to them. So I, I really, really stayed away for quite a while. And now I'm interested now, but it's not the same. It's I'm interested because I feel like being interested. I am even close to actually being interested in learning my parents' language, but for the first time because I want to. Mm. But not because I want to impress anybody, not because I even want to talk to anybody, you know, with that language it's because I actually maybe have an interest and I actually do want to not that I don't want to talk to anybody I learned a language I'm not talking to you I'm saying I know what you're saying though <laughs> just like one of some I'm not doing it for that reason to be like bitch what you say what did you say and just and then speak that phrase in Malayalam right. just to shock everyone like yeah. it happens on TV anyway no it's more because I'm finally I'm not trying to be a certain body. I'm finally not trying to be Indian enough. I'm finally not trying to be successful enough. I'm finally not trying to do anything to be enough to anyone anymore. And, And here's what happened. Like, this is a great tag from the patriarchy episode because this is just the rest. Yeah. Now... It's weird, like my job isn't going to bring me happiness. Now that makes sense. Because now no longer is my income level or my, you know, my upward mobility at work directly associated with did my parents do a good job parenting or did I do a good job or do the right things in school? I I think that is the next step in the caterpillar pace phase and I I think we have the benefit and I'm going to throw it over to you Anju uh, you know to weigh in on this but I think we have the benefit of being raised in a western society where our parents and our aunts and uncles and this is only applicable to our immigrants on the western part of the world um, they see how good parenting can still not matter in the end with you know there's only so much while they're american you know that's why their kids turned out like that before your parents realized no this is just universal Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't it it that your kid is not an extension of you per se in the sense that you know your kid is is a reflection not an extension right Mm -hmm. so that's where we are i think being exposed to, to Western, they're moving past the extension, live for me, right. I give birth to you to live for me. Now it's more of the, oh, your accomplishments reflect on me. And then to go in tandem with that, when you're not accomplished, I am, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, make it on your own, we're done. So that's, I think, where we are. <laughs> but in terms of the your personality being, you know, the part that your parents are derided for and how they raised you. I've never seen that, you know, 
I've never seen, oh, Prakash is a shitty motherfucker. His mother was, you know, must have been terrible. Mm. You know, there's never that. It's always, well, I shouldn't use the boy as an example because boys get the, the you know, they the usually get the pass. They can grow yeah. up and be an <laughs> asshole and nothing would matter. Um, sorry, Andrea, I'm monopolizing conversation. No, no, it's fine. Um, I had thoughts. <laughs> um, Back to what Miranda was saying about speaking the language. That's an interesting point because I was dealing with that while I was in India. Because I spoke Malayalam when I was a kid and then lost it at some point. Like, I still understand it, but I I became super conscious of, like, how badly I was pronouncing it. So that shame part inhibited me for a really long time from actually speaking it. Um, And this time, for the first time in a while, I actually, like got past that and found myself speaking it again. And I was getting decent by the time I left. I was pretty proud of it. Um, so it was kind of nice to be able to actually enjoy that as a way of communicating with people and let go of the baggage around it for a change. And then and then it's weird because, like, you come back, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but, like, it's like there's Indian Anju and American Anju, and the two cannot, like, meet for some reason. <laughs> so, like, the second I came back to the U.S., Suddenly, that wall, I came back down, and I can't speak Malayalam anymore. <laughs> or, like, not in any substantive way. Like, just, like, the typical, like, small little one-word answers, but not really. And I don't know why that is, but it's it's something I don't know how to get past. I, I can empathize with that <laughs> emotion in the sense, I mean, our first language in the West Indies is English, because we were colonized by the British. And um, so... However, there is Bhojpuri Hindi, which is spoken on the islands, and then there's the patois of, you know, growing up in colonial outposts. And uh, so, but whenever I am around my, my mom's family, because they, they stayed Guyanese no matter where they, they lived, um, there is slang, there is, you know, specific language used, and I don't use it unless I'm around them, right? like what you're saying like if I'm around my immediate family here in Texas I won't speak like that um even though it's the, it's them but if all if we're all together in New York or Florida or, or the extended family is here I'm sitting there saying abadees abadees and all that stuff and not and not we are they are you know and and so even with my accent now I I speak it with my family but I feel sometimes that I'm losing it and I will speak it with my family. And so I don't, I don't like speaking American around my family and that's my current identity struggle. Like it's ironic because the more I'm getting in touch with my Caribbean-ness, with my West Indian-ness and, and you don't have to be, you know, Freud to figure out that that happened because my dad died. Um, the, the more deeper I want to go into knowing that part of his identity and by extension my identity um, the more I realized that I don't speak like I did when we moved here mm. as much in safe spaces. And that bothers me. That bothers me. And I don't know why. Yeah. Like it was, it was weird. Cause I came back here and even with my aunts and uncles, I would like want to say something in Malayalam and then couldn't make myself do it. I just felt pretentious, you know, like it felt forced. Like that's not the way we really talk to each other normally. So it just felt like it would have been weird, I guess. I wish I understood Malayalam. I, I, we'd practice together. Oh, girl. <laughs> I, um, I will do this poorly, but the one phrase in Malayalam that I can say every time is, 
Mansalayala Kurchomalayla Mariam. Mansalayala Kurchomalayla Mariam, which is basically I don't know what you're saying. Uh, I don't speak. <laughs> I don't speak Malayalam. I know pegopa in Korean is the same as tengo hambre in in Spanish. I'm hungry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I will eat in every country. Yes, I will eat in every country. <laughs> that is right. Well, I that is the most important um, phrase to know. That's tr- that is true, though, ladies. <laughs> Food and bathroom. Yep. That's where everyone. That's every anything anyone needs to know. I will say this: the I can tell there's a little bit of it, this Indian culture in me. Uh, I was driving my cousins from India, my cousins from Dallas, and one of my cousins, two of my cousins from Philly. We went to the Perot Museum in Dallas, and. Uh, we were driving into a gas station and the, there was a little bump in the ramp up to the gas station. And I said, Ayo, which is like, nobody prompted me to do that. It's just habit. And I'm like, there you guys go. Don't, you can't tell me I don't speak Malayalam. Cause that's when it comes out. It's when I think I'm going to die or my car's hurting. And that's just that. And there's just things you remember because you were laughing when you learned them. There was this this spider. I was, we're all grown-ups. I was using the restroom. And India has these <gasps> giant, shut up. India has these giant vault, in our home in India, giant vault ceilings, right? Uh-huh. Well, I'm just looking up. And, you know, there was, on the ceiling, a spider that was the size of my face. Mm. And I couldn't I use, those. what did you say, Andrew? I hate those. <laughs> yes, I could not use the restroom anymore. And I got up, got out, and I told my dad and my aunt, my aunt all, you know, went and killed it. Like, <laughs> she's like, where is it? I'll kill it. And she's killed snakes <laughs> and shit. They've all killed cobras. All of our Indian relatives have killed many poisonous snakes somehow. It's just hazard <laughs> common hazard <laughs> i can't handle an ant and they, like an ant or a roach and they've all killed like cobras hope you know they're like vipers are the ones you really need to watch out for i'm like oh oh really <laughs> is, is that it? i didn't need to know that i was fine just being afraid of the spiders thanks yeah my mother has like a machete scar on her on her eyebrow because she was wielding machetes i don't want to know what she's <laughs> Who, right. What? I don't want to know. Right. So it's so funny. My dad said, I told my dad I couldn't use the restroom anymore. And he goes, he laughed and he goes, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it'll be close. Perde jituri, which means scared shitless, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it came from. Face size spiders. Yeah. <laughs> I won't forget that because it was such a funny moment. And that's such an interesting thing because um, this is the nutty part about me not knowing this language. There are things, (laughs) there are things that need to be in place for someone to learn anything and threat, trauma, fear. Those are not it. Mm -hmm. Safety, humor, fun that's where it happens and i i guarantee everyone on this planet had those been in place i would have picked up that language like this i've never not wanted to learn malayalam it's because 
it just, you know, my parents made a choice. They wanted me to learn English. And, and here's the nutty thing about learning. There's two things about learning I can say here. People learn from other people's mistakes. So I'm positive that my aunts and uncles saw that me and my brothers couldn't speak. I'm positive. And they, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if none of them looked at us and thought, okay, we need to make sure we speak Malayalam to our kids. So I'm sorry. I bet you a million dollars they learned from us that they learned what they need to do with their kids from us and our experiences. It may have been the wrong way to do things or whatever if you wanted your kids to learn the language. But my parents were some of the first generations there. And we just didn't learn because it wasn't being spoken to us. And they were able to make that choice to t talk to their kids, you know, and say, oh, well, this is the result when that doesn't happen. Let's make sure we teach our kids. And their kids were born like 10 years later than us. Andrew, is that the same in your family? My family, we speak English, so I, I don't have that similar i don't have any similarities to to proffer in that space about wanting to learn your parents language in our family um when i was growing up when i was little my dad insisted that we speak malayalam in the house because he wanted me to learn it so i spoke malayalam first and then english later then when my sister came along she um was delayed in learning to speak and i was going to school by that point so i was learning english and then i would come home and i would speak to her in english and um and my, my dad would yell, get mad at me. And my mom was like, I don't care. Like, as long as Kevy speaks, I don't care what she says. So that was a fight for a long time when we were growing up, which my dad eventually lost. So we just speak English. Um, so I learned it. And then, un like, I, like I said, I stopped speaking it, but I still understood it. And my sister never really properly learned it, which is something she's making an effort now to learn because her family is, or her in-laws are much more Indian and her, her husband speaks Malayalam pretty well so she's making more of an effort she wants her kids to learn it so she's she's works harder at it than I do yeah okay I mean don't get me wrong I'm not saying that like everybody was like oh look at those George kids they don't know shit we need to make sure our kids I'm not saying that that's what sparked everyone learning Malayalam but I'm gonna say that they can't say they weren't witness to how we grew up and they can't say that their decisions on how they parented in America weren't affected by how me and my brothers were raised. I mean, I think that happened in our family too. We were not the first. I mean, I had older cousins who did not speak Malayalam. So um, we were not the first example, but definitely I have cousins who came after me that my, uh, that they, my uncle and my aunt did make, make a point of making sure that they learned the language. I, I do know that my um, Guyanese side of the family, my cousins there, they have better accents and they understand the, you know, the idi idiosyncrasies of the language more than, than I do. So maybe that's the commonality. Like whenever we're speaking and they're talking about slang or, you know, or a brand or they're telling some story and it, it involves like Bojpuri Hindi, like you have to guess contextually or just sit around and laugh as if you know what the hell is going on <laughs> and then go to Google oh, I, later. I'm familiar with that. And figure that out, <laughs> you know. But here's, here's a sobering thought. If we each had to learn our native language, like if there was a fluency in Bojpuri Hindi in, in the islands, right? Um, 
we would still be penalized for speaking it with an American accent. You know, it's like, hola, como estas? You know? Right. So it's like, mira, nam, puja hai. You know, that ain't right. That's, right. You know what I'm saying, but that I ain't right. I love your pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. You um, should hear me when I have to do stuff at the temple. I purposely say the words MC. incorrectly. <laughs> Because tr- to say it correctly, I'd have to drop my American accent, right? And yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. I can't switch in between as easily anymore. So I'm not going to do that. I thought you were doing oh, wow. that as like, I, I thought you were doing that as an MC. Just like, um, you know how rappers like, they'll jack with the pronunciation of a word oh, just to like. I'm not that. Fl- I'm not good enough to do that. <laughs> No, I pronounced it because, you know, it's it's like, coach, coach, hota, hey. I, I would say, coach, coach, hota, hi. You know, it's like just over-exaggerated, either for a laugh or because it's so many consonants, I'm just guessing at this point, you know? So, <laughs> I, you know, but I, I, I can, understand it, that. it reads unaccented when I read it in my head. <laughs> you know, it's pronounced perfectly in my head. I just can't get my tongue to do those things. And they, they do other things. Nor do you have to. See, here's the nutty thing. Mm-hmm. Is like uh, what we choose to do from this point forward. What we, how we choose to participate in our culture and in our... what I guess what is ours. Like essentially what is ours. It's finally not coming from a toxic place. Like you were saying earlier, it wouldn't matter even if I was fluent, you'd make fun of my American accent. That's like me. I could I could honestly become a Nobel Peace Prize winner and they would still talk about how I'm not married. You know what I mean? There's fitting, we're not doing it to fit in. We're doing it because we want to. We, we are participating in our culture in the ways we want to participate in it. And... You know, I, I think I'm finally maybe strong enough to just cease trying to be as good as that person's daughter or cease trying to, uh, I don't know. It, it's its just been about all this, all these years up until now, it's been about uh, me representing my parents' parenting and me not being the things they said I was. And I'm finally, like, fucking done with it. I think my parents had five kids, so one of us would do that. And the rest of them, because it was obviously me, <laughs> could do whatever they wanted to do. Um, so you got screwed being, you know, the only girl you had to do. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you had to live a certain way. And Angie, you got screwed because you're the eldest. So, um, yeah. Now, okay, so now that we're... Moving to that space where we recognize being an Indian woman is not an umbrella term. No. Right? It's, it's, it's a roof that can hold many, many identities. And we are making, carving our space out for those identities. Thank, you're welcome, Gen Z. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Y'all can come up and hoe and stay single. <laughs> You don't, you can speak only English and you can work at a strip club and ain't nobody going to say you're welcome. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) somebody told me, I said, uh, I was having a conversation with a family friend and I was like, I I will never have children. uh, The way I always phrase it is if I was ever accidentally unaware of 
accidentally being pregnant. I was in a coma for nine <laughs> yeah, months. Yeah, like if I was in a coma for nine months and wasn't aware that I was pregnant, that's how little I want to have a child. Uh, I was, I'm a t- former teacher. I parented for 20 years, I feel like. So I'm good. Um, but this girl was saying, oh, my God, me neither. And she's Gen Z, young millennial on the cusp. And my, no, she's strictly Gen Z. And I was like, you know, I'm going to get a lot of shit for being the person who doesn't want a child or marriage. And she said, you do important work. (laughs) Thank you for recognizing. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah. Because it sucks. (laughs) So before I I ask this next question, I want to go back and say that I'm not... I'm not saying sex work is pejorative. I actually believe sex work should be legalized, but I used it as an example because I feel like any people still find it very shocking. Like that's still the level of not my kid, right? So, mm, we're still weird with kissing in public, so. Yeah, so sex workers, even though there was that great, that great soundbite I sent you on Instagram, Miranda, about that sex worker telling people, Teach your men about sex because they act a fool in these streets because they don't know what a naked body looks like, you know? So anyway, derailed again. Here's here's my next question. So as we're, you know, we're we're pastifying in this cocoon, maybe our asses are forming. Uh, (laughs) We're giving ourselves, you know, the the ideal chest size for us. Um, What do you think your... Like, what is your forays into your identity next? We've tackled, you know, the aspect of, not, and, and, and had to tackle because it was the reality of our existence, being single women not wanting kids in marriage, right? So that's one aspect of our cultural identity. But what are other aspects you're trying to, to engage with? Because this is not it. This is not how I'm going to be defined mm. as a West Indian woman. It's not going to be because my hips can bear kids, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be how, honestly, it's going to be how I cook. And so that's how I've been engaging. I've been buying produce I haven't eaten since, a ki- since I was a kid. And I asked my mom, there's this one called Edo's, and I asked my mom, how am I supposed to cook this? Because I hated it as a kid. And because there's only two ways I know, I remember eating it, in a soup and then if, curried. And Edo's is this little root vegetable. It's like a potato, but slimy and water. It's weird. My mother told me to make mashed potatoes out of this shit. And I was just like, <laughs> What? She's like, yeah, butter, cream, dill, salt, pepper. I'm like, what? So there is a thing of mashed Eddos in my fridge right now. And I'm like, this is not how I wanted to engage in my culture. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to westernize this food. I want to appreciate it for what it is. So that's my next, well, what I'm hoping to um, accomplish by learning more about the food. Because I realized that even though I am a foodie, it's foodie American food, foodie Western food, foodie European food. It's not foodie, oh my God, this poppadom filling is amazing. You know, it's not Roots. that. You know, it's not, oh, in, in the Caribbean, we call, you know, pepper sauce, sour, we, chutney, all these different things. It's not knowing the differences between those and why the Caribbean has, you know, what wh- all those things are how I'm trying to engage in my culture and build this new identity going forward. What about you, Anju? Um, it's actually, I guess, since you mentioned food, that's one. I was always a very picky eater, so there's very little Indian food that I will eat, and I am trying to broaden 
my palate a little bit. And, like, I just rediscovered a snack food that my mom made when I was a kid that I would not eat, um, which is just – it's mixture, which is basically just trail mix. Um, and I bought some and brought it back with me this time, and I'm in love with it. It's amazing. So I guess trying to eat more more Indian foods. Everybody's eating food for their cultural identity. I love that. I was just thinking no one's talking about men. I love it. Um <laughs> Okay. Oh, brinjal, bygen. Those are um, those are words for eggplant listeners. Oh, girl, <laughs> nice. So that's how we're engaging with men. <laughs> girl, eggplant. Okay, so um, for me, I'm I'm just I've just arrived to this place where I'm okay with myself. Like I I just arrived. Welcome. Thanks. Um, I I'm. I think that step one is just being still for a while. And I'm not going to say which direction I'm going because I just finally entered the present and like probably the most I've ever have. And I think after I'm still for a while, I'll figure out where to go next. I do have an interest in learning my parents' language. I do have an interest in reconnecting with my family that I've long honestly long neglected thankfully we're all on facebook and on whatsapp together and stuff but um you know i've i have family i haven't written to talked to nothing and i wait always wait until i visit them before we connect you know talk to each other so it's very shallow on my end i think that the willingness to connect is on their end it's just been missing from me all this time because of fear and I think um, acceptance is also another thing. Like everybody who has ever participated in my hurt. I, th- I think I'm finally in this place where I'm letting go of the narrative that I needed to have in order to survive, which is this person's awful. That person's mean. This person is a, a hateful bitch. <laughs> and, you know, I need to stay away from these people as long as possible so I can, like, figure out what's going on. It's never been about figuring out what's going on in my head. It's about been about protecting myself. And I think that being, like, a little brave and getting back into the sphere where they are, are they going to be perfect human beings? No. But maybe for once, because I am 100% myself, it won't hurt as much. And maybe those old triggers aren't triggers anymore. Maybe they're just these like things that don't affect me anymore and it took a long fucking time to get here i i feel i feel that struggle of taking a long time to get to a certain part in your life where you're just comfortable saying i'm a grown-ass woman and i don't have to do this (laughs) you know and I don't have to feel bad about not wanting to do this. And I'm not going to feel bad. Those are all stages, right? It's not, it's not one just thought, right? So no, I feel, I feel that struggle. But welcome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, there was a really great quote, our friend Shamila, friend of the pod um, and LMFT, Shamila Kashavji, she put this great um, quote up that was something like, you're not going to get basically saying you're not going to get a new past so stop hoping for one future ain't gonna fix your past yeah yeah you're uh, what do they say regrets are the past crippling us in the present mm-hmm. and things like that basically uh, give up hope 
for a different past. Stop hoping for a different past. That past is in the past. It is there. It is part of my story. I'm owning it. And it's time to go on. It's time to move on as myself and what I'm interested in. I can find out what I'm actually fucking interested in and what I'm interested outside of all of this shame stuff. It'd be nice to uh, rather I invite whoever I am so that it's kind of like that. I, I don't can't say whether I'm going to delve into language or clothing or even I hope um, it's not jewelry that's expensive (laughs) (laughs) no I'm fine I'm fine with my limited jewelry but like I think even delving into the movies like I think I gave uh, Anju and Pooja a play-by-play of this Malayalam movie I was watching with my family and I was like what (laughs) it was a bunch of penises it was just like so many men and it was a funny it was actually meant to be a funny movie I don't remember the name of it, but I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and I took all these screenshots and I was sending it to Anju and Pooja. Well, like watching movies. It was a- hilarious. <laughs> watching movies. And it brought back a lot of old memories. <laughs> Man, those swipes. Those yeah. Cuts between eye, you know, eye contact oh, shots. Oh, yeah. Forward. And the violins. Um, yeah. Oh, no. the My favorite was a screenshot of the guy putting his munda up, munda getting ready for the fight. Yeah, yeah that brought back a <laughs> very you know, clear memory. And he got memory. in a fighting stance after that, too. Like, he tied it and wind, widened his legs. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the most, they were in the most colorful mundas ever. And I was like, he was raising his munda up. And I was like, ooh, it's the... You know, how to wear your munda in a fight it needs to be like a BuzzFeed post. <laughs> BuzzFeed, Why doesn't yeah. <laughs> it? Let's look for it. Hopefully it exists. If it doesn't exist, we need to make it happen. Um, but we do actually want to do some more Bollywood stuff this season, actually. So uh, I think we were thinking, I'm not going to give away the ideas. I'm not going to say anything. Just stay tuned. That's all. No spoiler alert. No spoilers we'll from drop us. Drop these episodes when we fucking want to. Okay, you hear me? we don't. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's dial it back a little. No, sorry, no. anger is my standard <laughs> issue mood. <laughs> I need bygone. I'm just kidding. Okay. Don't cut that part. No, no, she. I don't know what just happened, <laughs> but we're gonna dial it back. Yeah. Well, we are going to do more. We're gonna say we have more to say, but I think we had been. I know Anju and Pooja have been listening to me agonize over um, identity issues these past few weeks. So I appreciate you ladies. You're the abso-fucking-loot best people. Why, thank you. Aw. You are. <laughs> you're, the, you're the fucking best. And, and I'll say this. I mean, you're out loud agonizing about it. And, and you know, that kind of... I don't want to use the word triggered because triggered has a different con- connotation now. But it kind of catalyzed um, me thinking about it myself. And the question at the top of the, the podcast was, have you noticed a change in your, a change in yourself in terms of identity? And from you, you know, voicing that out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, here's how this applies. Oh yeah. I guess I ain't the same bitch from three years ago. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that works, that works too. So you're the best as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, E hug, just <laughs> in Austin, and we are in Dallas, and we're gonna edit the snot out of this episode to try to fool you into thinking we're together. But I think this this leads me to say one last thing: 
if you feel like a shitty Indian, A, you're not the only one. There are more of us out there. And again, we've said this several times before. Find your fellow shitty Indian um, because you can lose a lot of energy trying to fit in. You can lose a lot of energy trying to be someone you're not. And we want you to keep that energy and put it towards something else, maybe something you're passionate about, maybe put it towards the things you enjoy doing. But good God, not to be enough. That's, it's not worth it. Just take it from me. Take it from us. You know, I'm taking a, philo- a Hindu philosophy class through my temple. One, the whole premise of the class is given to you on the very first um, lesson, and it is that happiness is not external. Happiness is internal. And so for the next two years, though, we have to attend these classes to learn about, I don't know what, specifically because that seems like a real easy thing to to internalize happiness is not external to you (laughs) duh you chase shit that's external to you you'll never you're never going to be happy Mm. and so um and even chasing happiness is not inherently meant to make you happy right you got to find you got to be happy so i guess the class is to teach you how to be happy Man, there's a lot of medication I need to take. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe self-acceptance is where they're trying to get get it to start. Because I think that that is where it is. Like accepting acceptance is like, that is a hard thing, I think. Yeah. Especially when you don't know what the hell's going on, what pattern you're in and whatnot. So, Andrew, final thoughts? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said. We said I it said. all. We here you heard it first. We said everything. Until next time, we wish you like the greatest sense of love and belonging and self acceptance that you can get. It's been Miranda. Pooja. It's been Miranda. What the fuck? <laughs> She's caterpillar pace. It's been Miranda. <laughs> <It's> been... <laughs> it has been the old Miranda. Now the new Miranda. Pooja. And Anju. With the Jilted Indian podcast. We came with love and courage and hope you go in peace and power. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>